This recording is from Fintech Nexus USA, formerly known as London Fintech USA, held at the Javits Center in New York City on May 25th to 26, 2022. It's from the track Banking Crosses Into Its Digital Future, sponsored by Galileo Financial Technologies, and is titled Delivering a Modern User Experience Goes Beyond Technology. Speaking on this session is Travers Clark Walker, Thought Machine. Brian Barnes, M1 Finance, with moderator Stephanie Koo from Nika Partners. Thanks for joining us um, today. We're here to discuss the modern user experience, um, and in some ways, we are your lunchtime entertainment. Um, uh, I'm joined by Travis Clark Walker of Thought Machine and Brian Barnes of M1 Finance. Um, I'll let them give their quick introductions, but looking forward to the session. Cool. Well, I'll kick off with an introduction then, Stephanie. Thank you, Brian. It's great to be with you all. Uh, so I'm Travis Clark Walker, Chief Marketing Officer for Thought Machine. Uh, so, personal reference, I guess, I've been with Thought Machine for six years, sit on our executive committee, a couple of years with Pfizer before that, and a retail banker for a decade. A quick introduction to Thought Machine. So, Thought Machine is a next-generation cloud-native core banking vendor. Company's eight years old, uh, now have uh, 35-odd uh, clients around the world, ranging from tier one banks to scale-out fintech banks, uh, and that's a global operation. So, those clients are spread from Asia-Pacific, US, and European markets. Uh, I'm Brian Barnes. I'm the founder and CEO of M1. Uh, that is the most interesting thing I've done. So, you know, history beyond that is not that exciting. Um, started the company about six years ago. We are a personal finance platform, combined the best of digital investing, digital borrowing, digital banking into one comprehensive application. We passed a billion on the platform about two years ago. Now we're a little bit right around six billion on the platform, uh, managing uh, funds for about half a million customer accounts. Um, we, we talk about ourselves a lot as digitizing the private bank experience. And so taking a concept of what does the you know, person working with a Goldman advisor or a JP Morgan advisor get, how do you digitize that, provide it to the person who is mass affluent but not you know, ultra wealthy. Um, as part of that, I purchased a bank. Uh, so we own a teeny tiny little bank up in northern Minnesota. And we are replatforming that with uh, the Thought Machine core. And so that will be the system and core that powers the, the bank and the experience that we hope to deliver to our clients. Perfect. And that's exactly where I wanted to start this discussion, which is to say, you know, we're here to talk about the modern user experience. But in some ways, you've decided that the way to achieve that is to acquire a bank that's 120 years old uh, in northern Minnesota. Uh, walk us through the logic of that. Um, I think on a, on a macro landscape, we... We think about ourselves as a even more modern Charles Schwab. So Schwab looked at Morgan Stanley and Merrill Lynch in the 70s, said we can offer better product, better pricing, utilize technology to do it, and then scaled into a financial behemoth. We think that in 2020, there's the new ability to do that, that if you were to start from scratch, you would not build using the same technology uh, as you would starting in the 1970s. And so all these legacy incumbents are, are dealing with old archaic technology that they're trying to uh, modernize and deliver new experiences. So when, when we take that perspective, we look at ourselves as the next generation financial service firm. And we, we want to be in the same realm as Schwab, Fidelity, JP Morgan, uh, Wells Fargo, US Bank, like these big behemoths and we, we look at it as there's no chance that a large financial service firm is not regulated like a financial service firm. And so in the broker or in the, the investing realm, that's becoming a broker dealer, investment advisor, potentially self-clearing over time. And in the banking realm, um, you know, both for deposits, lending, payments, that's owning a charter. And so for, for us, it was really 
the charter was what was important, not the uh, the 120 year old institution and the the uh, clients the 900 clients that they have uh, accumulated over those 120 years. Um, but it was it, it's really to set the foundation so that M1 can be a comprehensive uh, financial institution. Awesome. And Travis, I'd love to hear, you know, as you started to engage with M1 and understand, you know, what their needs were, um, what do you think were the key kind of capabilities that Thought Machine brought to the table? Sure. Well, just building on the language of next generation financial services business, uh, the reality is whether or not it's, a, you know, an established existing 150-year-old organization or whether or not it's a brand new organization, the 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 optionality of core banking systems that was in the market, uh, you know, broadly is antiquated. So Thought Machine was founded on the principle of these legacy cores cannot provide the next generation of financial service products. They're architecturally archaic, they're monolithic, they're difficult to produce new products and services within them, they're expensive to run and so on. So in terms of the coming together, I guess, you know, you're talking about building a, you know, next generation financial services business and bringing private wealth management uh, into this generation. And of course, in order to do that, the technology has to meet the aspiration of the, um, the strategy. And, you know, we built Thought Machine and we built Vault Core, the product, to provide exactly that type of offering. Most notably, cloud infrastructure, cloud native, deployed into, um, uh, deployed into you know, cloud infrastructure, but agnostically to which one. And for the product manufacturing side, so the ability to build, you know, retail or consumer or investment banking product offering, all done through smart contracts. So the ability to generate new products and put them into the market incredibly quickly is one of the key characteristics of the product. So I guess, you know, we, 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 we saw one another as, you know, symbiotic in terms of the, the strategic intent of the bank and the technology requirements in order to serve that intent. And so I think in, you know, recent years, we've been really spoilt by the user experience. The fintechs have really been upping the standards. Um, and in some ways, you know, the two of you in partnership are responsible for setting the standards of where, you know, user experience goes. And how do you think about that? And how do you, you know, decide which way forward to, to take things? And, you know, either of you are welcome to start. Yeah, you know, um, sort of splitting up fintech, um, we, we, we first look at it from a financial services lens, and we think of what is the premier financial services experience, and there is a little bit of a difference of you know going after the unbanked or the underbanked. The premier in financial services is what do the ultra-wealthy get? And so we you know sort of start from that as a concept of that is the premier user experience in financial services. How do we take that experience and bring it out to, to more people? Then from the technology standpoint, we, we, I think our analog is more general consumer technology products and offerings rather than financial services. And so, you know, the, the Apple experience, the Airbnb, the Uber, you know, whatever it may be of these premier digital experiences, we think that most people as the, it, it won't be binary of not using a human but it, we do think the future will be very digitally led. And so it'll be digital first that will do, you know, 90, 95% of someone's finances. And then only when you spill over into a esoteric need, do you involve a human uh, to, to help with that? And so for, for us, it's, you know, sort of combining all of those things. And uh, to Travers' point, the experience is only as good as 
the technological underpinnings. And so we do need a very modern uh, solution to, to offer that. And one of the things that the Thought Machine offers is rapid iteration, that it's a modularized, scalable, you know, uh, uses event streaming and you know sort of all the, the the buzzwords that modern technology architecture use and what that allows us to do is our engineers can rapidly iterate on product improvements uh, as opposed to you know any sort of minor thing needing a SOW from our core provider that gets put on the backlog that gets delivered in six months it's just that that is not the way that rapid consumer uh, experiences get developed got it um, was there anything you wanted to add Travis I'd probably only just to double down on the points, right, which is traditional uh, core banking systems and to some extent significant parts of the back end of banks do not operate in modern context, right? They are not real time. They don't data stream. It is impossible to create the future customer experiences without having a modern technology stack in order to do so. Start thinking about how risk engines will work. Start thinking about how payment gateways will work. Start thinking about how personalized services for things like machine learning and AI need to work. We reference things like Airbnb or Amazon or Apple. These, of course, are all real-time, modernly architected platforms, and they provide great, indeed, you know, brilliant consumer experiences, but they provide those consumer experiences based on the underlying technology. So in the absence of it, it is impossible to create the types of products and services that consumers, whether or not it's private wealth, or indeed right the way down to the kind of unbanked parts of the community, will require demand even from their financial service businesses. So I think we'll sort of incorporate the Q&A as we go. Um, and one of the questions that has come up for you, Brian, is um, in terms of when you were evaluating different cores to work with, you know, how many did you take a look at? Um, and maybe, you know, answering that question within the framework of this discussion, which is meant to focus on, you know, user experience. We, yeah, we looked at a lot. <laughs> so, um, it, it, you know, there, there is a yeah legacy core that the uh, bank that we purchased is currently using. Um, looked at, you know, evaluating that. Can we build on top of it? And, you know, to, to Travers' point, it, it was basically a no. It's a very closed system that required their engineers to build out any functionality at a premium rate that was, you know, slow moving. And so, um, and, and no, we, we compared that with sort of the, the, uh, I'm like hesitant to name names because <laughs> I don't want to seek all that negative, but the, uh, the people with disproportionate market share in the, the core uh, market now, I do think there's sort of a V2, which is, you know, more modern core, you know, cores that were developed in 90s, 2000s, early 2010s, uh, that, that are significantly better than the, the mainframe architected uh, cores of the past. They don't, you know, they can be cloud hosted, they can be delivered via SaaS offering, but again, very closed system. And then I would say there's a V3 version, which is built from the ground up using modern technology paradigms. F for that, I think the, the difficult thing in cores is the breadth of what you need to do to be able to create a fully functioning regulated bank is so broad that it takes a lot of time to develop that, you know, it's one of those things that, you know, almost after you developed it, your technology is outdated. And so that, that, that's one of the, you know, things you have to like parry this amount of rigor and depth with newness. I think what, what Thought Machine has been, has done, which is quite unique is 
opened up, opened up a lot of the platform so that that can be done iteratively over time. And it's much more flexible to create products on demand to you know incorporate, they even call it a headless core where you can incorporate best in class point solutions to build up what you want from a comprehensive platform standpoint. Um, and so a, a long-winded way of saying we looked at a lot and <laughs> you know are, are happy with our choice. <laughs> I'm sure Travis is happy with your decision too. Of course we are. We're delighted. But just to, just, <laughs> just, just, just to build on that piece, I mean, the principles of the headless core is as you start to build out, you know, next generation of financial service products, that ability to integrate with all sorts of services and systems that might complement those products is fundamental. So whether or not that's, you know, external data feeds that you're going to bring on or whether or not it's a richness in the channel experience that you're going to bring in, all of those things are made possible by effectively slimming down a core you know, making it, you know, RESTful API access and on all its access points, all of the data streaming, those are the things that enrich. So you're right, there is a requirement to build round. And one of the things I guess we also recognize in our customer sets is, is that's an attractive place for engineers to work. It's an attractive place for product managers to work because the flexibility of what you're able to do makes the organization an engaging place. And that, that is something that fundamentally People want they you know they they from an employment perspective it's an attractive place and from an end consumer perspective it means that the offering is richness so you know it's not just talking about the technology it's also we're talking about the businesses that you're building around this technology and the types of products that you can present and the types of talent that you can attract to your business I think those are important parts of the whole kind of um, makeup of this thing yeah and that is very true I mean we our engineers try to get poached by the big banks all the time they get them offers bigger salaries and they don't take them because that, that's not where they want to work. All right. So um, another question from the audience, and this is in relation to balancing, I would say, um, user experience and friction. Um, and one of the pain points with using an app like M1 is the need to download it beforehand. So how do you think about you know, how you wanted to deliver that product in a way that encourages as many people to try out um, the functionality as possible without you know, losing people to friction? Yeah, it's a good question. You know, I, I really do feel like, you know, the next generation financial services firm is very early into its evolution. And so, sort of, you know, if we do the V1 analogy, it was all focused on friction reduction. And so it was, how can you automate the manual processes and sort of, you know, as opposed to a person filling out a form, how can you get the user to fill out a form and sign up for an account? I think you know th there is a non-trivial amount of work to just get to that where you can do all the sort of baseline functionality um, to just operate a bank you know where you would originally have a person and you now have an application. I think what becomes interesting on when you digitize everything is what that allows you to do moving forward. And so it, it's really when it's digital, you can use the computation power of a computer as opposed to an individual. You can look at you know millions of people simultaneously. You can do recommendation engines. You can analyze people's income and spend and investment where the, the possibilities are something that you just can't replicate with a human workforce. And so, you know, th th there is an aspect of if we want the experience to be better a year from now, it, tr it probably would be go hire a lot of individuals to do money management to, you know, sort of analyze someone's uh, you know, finances to help them out, have conversations with them, that would be a better user experience. If we want it to be better five years from now, it's definitively start with a, a digital infrastructure and, and build all the capabilities there. And so you know, for, for the app, it, it's, it really does get into you know, 
I think financial services for the vast majority of people, you throw out like the, the ultra wealthy, the people who need like family offices and private wealth, or, uh, private bankers and all that. It will be 95% digital and then, you know, 5% human based. And it, it is, yeah, I, I use this analogy in the, uh, uh, the company. It's like a librarian is probably more robust than Google, but people want a Google search, you know, and it, it is one of those things that like a human will likely be better, but it's, does it justify the cost or can you deliver a, you know, better digital experience? And I would say now even Google's probably better than a librarian. And so, you know, that, that that's the, the migration that we're talking about. Got it. And Travis, I think this next question, probably you're best suited to answer. But, you know, there's obviously been a rise of banking as a service. Um, and we're getting to a point now where a lot of the banking technology is sort of um, uh, beneath layers of kind of fintech user um, optimization. Um, how many of the clients that you work with are interested in working with Thought Machine in order to be able to deliver the same user experience um, and to make sure that their brand remains top of mind in front of consumers? Yes, yeah, so, I mean, breaking the question into two parts. So banking as a service. So, so a number of our clients, you know, are looking at our technology and saying, hey, how can we then place this technology back out into the market and provide a banking as a service offering? And part of the reason for that is because of the flexibility of the technology. You can run it in, you know, multi-entity. You can run it in multi-region. You can have the same products running in different brands. You can have the same products different in, in regulatory environments and so on. So there's a richness to kind of that, this, this generation of technology. Uh, you know, when put, when constructed appropriately, meaning that banks can widen their markets in a whole variety of ways, whether or not that's providing it as a banking as a service or launching themselves into new markets or new product offerings in a way that just would have been extremely expensive and difficult um, to do before. Um, I mean, taking the, I guess, taking the second part of it, which is, you know, what's the, what's the consumer outcome of that? There is, uh, you know, an ability to have access to just a much wider and richer range of products than would have been the case. And just building on Brian's point of, uh, you know, the, the, the friction pieces that might have existed historically, you can take effectively any product off the shelf, run it in simulation mode in front of the customer, allowing the customer to kind of customize their experience and their product offerings. And those are, those are features that have just not been available before. So combine that type of functionality with the ability for a bank for then to say, hey, I can lend out my, my, um, my balance sheet or I can lend out my, um, my regulatory positions. Uh, or I can lend out my technology to others, means that they have the ability to scale their offering in ways that have just never been possible before, with a richness of experience that haven't been possible before. Perfect. Well, I think we're out of time, but thank you, Travis and Brian, for joining us here today. Um, it was a great discussion. Thank you, Stephanie. Thank you. Thank you, Brian.